listening to Footprints on Our Hearts, a podcast about baby loss, legacy, and learning to live again with me, Alison Ingleby. The baby loss community is one that no one wants to join, but together we can break the silence around baby loss and help each other navigate the rocky road that is grief, because all children leave footprints on our hearts. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the podcast coming to you on a grey, wet, miserable summer's day from Yorkshire. I'm really hoping we are going to get a bit more sun this weekend because <laughs> it's been getting me down a bit this this grey weather, particularly when, you know, it's supposed to be sunny, it's supposed to be able to get out in the garden, have some nice walks and things. And it's just been a bit cold. We've not quite put the heating on, but it has definitely been tempting at several points this week. Today, I have an interview for you with Lucy Thompson, whose daughter Moena was stillborn in September last year at 37 weeks. And Lucy works in maternity care. So, you know, she had quite a good understanding of I guess the things you look out for in pregnancy, the risks, um, and the reality of baby loss. But obviously, it's very different when it happens to you. And I think a lot of the time, we sometimes we blame ourselves or think, was there something else I could have done? You know, perhaps if if only I'd been awake that night, or if only I'd done this, or not been doing that that day, so I've been keeping closer track on movements, then perhaps things would have been different. But I think sometimes you can have all the knowledge in the world, you know, you can know exactly what to look out for, you can know um, the risks, you can be keeping a really close eye on your baby's movements, and still tragic things happen. Um so we talk a bit about Moena. We talk also about the impact of Moena's death on Lucy's old daughter, Ilya. And we have a bit of a discussion about why they decided to have Moena cremated. And I think this is another thing that, you know, you never you never think you'll have to even have this conversation or make these decisions, you know, do you bury your child or do you have them cremated? And it's such a difficult decision to make um, when you're in shock and, you know, you've just given birth to your child. Um, uh, Yeah, so I hope you find that useful. Um, I also want to just give a quick apology because the audio quality on sort of my end of the recording of this isn't great in places. Um, so fortunately, it doesn't stop you hearing Lucy's story and it doesn't affect that. It just is my wobbling in the background, which you may not be able to make out what I'm saying. So I apologise for that, but I hope it doesn't detract from the episode. So enjoy this week's podcast. I hope you all have a very gentle weekend. Today I'm 
delighted to be joined on the podcast by Lucy Thompson, whose daughter Moana was stillborn in September last year. Welcome to the podcast, Lucy. And would you like to start by just introducing yourself and your family? Hiya. Um, thank you so much for having me on the um, podcast. So, yeah, so I'm Lucy. My husband's called Kane, and we have a little um, three-and-a-half-year-old called Ilya. Um, so Moana was our second baby. And how was your experience of being pregnant and giving birth to Ilya? So I guess your previous experience of pregnancy and motherhood. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so first time being pregnant, um, I had nausea that lasted seemingly forever, um, sickness up until late 20 weeks, 30 weeks plus. My mum had said she was sick six months with all of us so I was kind of prepared for it um pretty easygoing pregnancy considering um all the usual aches and pains uh ended up with the she was born on her due day she was very timely which I was very happy about (laughs) um and uh but it was like the longest labor ever um so she took her took her long time 31 hours was my yeah so from very 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 early um and it was not complicated but just very long and I was getting very tired and had to have my waters broken and things like that to help shimmy her along um but she did eventually arrive arrive sort of in the evening and um yeah she there was a little bit of a scare with her because she because I had group B strep um so they were sort of monitoring her and she got a little bit cold at one point which did did worry me but she was fine um thankfully and now she's uh, very busy big girl <laughs> yeah very active I yeah. can imagine so did you have much awareness then of baby loss before you fell pregnant with Moana um well I work in maternity um as a maternity care assistant so I have some some more understanding that that things can go wrong and um I've seen a lot of women have very complicated births very sort of tricky situations emergency situations um but the death of a baby is still quite rare for the shifts I was working on and it was always a very um sort of emotional time for everybody because I worked on a postnatal ward so we would hear you know sort of things that were going up on central delivery suite um and it would be really upsetting when we heard that a baby had died um through whatever circumstances a premier baby or a full term or um so yeah so I did have sort of more of an understanding that it could happen um but while pregnant with Moena and working with my colleagues I was surrounded by midwives every day I felt very safe I felt very well looked after everyone was like oh you know whenever anything bad happened everybody be like oh that won't happen to you don't worry because I'd be sat there like oh my god like I really like, don't want to be listening to this horror story of labor and birth and things like that um but it won't happen it won't happen all very kind of light-hearted um and I guess naively I thought that it wouldn't because I have that bit more sort of understanding of kit counting and mm-hmm. movements and <clears throat> things like that but um yeah obviously didn't and that's yeah can happen to everyone anyone mm-hmm. I think and yeah I mean I've I, you know I've spoken to a few midwives who I've interviewed for the podcast as well and you know I think as much as you know and are aware of what happens that doesn't you know that can't necessarily save your baby exactly at the end of the day yeah and how did your pregnancy go with her 
Um, so again, sim very similar to Ilya. So I was basically sick up until sort of 32 weeks or so, <clears throat> which was exhausting. And then, um, 30, around 34 weeks, I started finally getting my appetite and I was so excited because I was just shoveling so much food for like not having really eaten for many, many weeks. So <clears throat> I was, um, yeah, finally, finally able to catch up. I was very, very happy. Um, the only thing with Moena was that she was um, breech at 30 weeks, diagnosed breech. Um, and she also measured with the tape quite small, but they thought it was because she was back to back, upside down or right way up. And they kind of thought, well, there's, you know, she's just in a funny position. Um, I was given presentation scans, growth scans. She was measuring fine. They said, you know, we've got 10 more weeks. She's bound to spin. She'll be absolutely fine. Um, it got to 34 weeks. She still hadn't spun. Um, I had a growth scan at that point again because again, the tape was measuring small. <clears throat> Sorry, coughing. Um, again, she measured fine on the ultrasound. And then 36 weeks, I had a presentation scan just because she was still breech. Um, and then I was kind of offered, well, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to book in for a cesarean at 39 weeks or do you want to try a manual rotation, um, which is sort of more success rates with women who have already had children? And I knew I could do a vaginal delivery, so I kind of was quite keen to have the rotation. Um, what does that what, what at what stage does that happen then and what does usually that 30, 37 weeks is the, the sort of point <clears throat> because they're still small enough that they can move um after that point it's kind of cesarean only options really um <clears throat> sorry my voice is a little bit crackly no that's okay have a drink of water <laughs> I think it's all this heat it just kind of catches at the back of your throat it does it? yeah and I don't usually talk this much that's weird <laughs> um yeah so I had the um booked in for the manual rotation again colleagues were saying oh you've had a you know baby already it'll be absolutely fine accessory is really good um we had a growth scan 36 weeks she was measuring around six pounds and kind of if she was to grow you know sort of you know the Mm -hmm. normal amount up to term she would have been smaller than Ilya um, which I kind of kind of thought, oh, okay, but I didn't really, you know, pay, pay it much attention and nobody was worried that she was looking small or anything. Um, and then the had the ECV, what it's called, so manual rotation, the week after. Um, and she, they basically give you an injection to relax your uterus and then a doctor pretty much pushes the baby around. It's pretty intense Mm. quite uncomfortable um but before we had that we had the ctg obviously to check her heart rate Um, everything was okay she actually had hiccups while the um uh, ctg was on and i asked my husband to film it just because i was like you just it's such a lovely like you can hear her heartbeat hammering away and you can hear little hiccups which i absolutely love the hiccups um and yeah i haven't actually listened to that back yet i haven't quite managed to do that yet mm-hmm. so hopefully one day I'll be able to listen back to her little heartbeat but um yeah so I had the had her pushed all the way around um and yeah the CTG was okay a little bit different she didn't kick at all or move about as much as she had 
been doing before, but I thought, oh, she's just been absolutely shocked. Mm. Like she's not obviously yeah. feeling very she happy. Had a, li- had a little bit of a shock in there. And besides, I mean, you'd, you'd had a lot of monitoring up to this mm. point as well, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't just like, you know, you'd had your 20-week scan and then we're kind of left to get on with it. So yeah. you yeah. had quite a lot of reassurance and stuff on the way. So I guess you were kind of looking ahead thinking, well, hopefully it will be a sort of full-term natural yeah. labor. Exactly, yeah. I had no... In- inkling like every time that she was measuring slightly small I had a scan the scan was fine you know and babies are small sometimes like you know genetically (laughs) some babies are smaller than others that's why there is a range yeah yeah exactly yeah and the the doctor did say you know that it's not their size it's more the growth that's the what they're looking for so um so obviously there was a week before the growth scan and the manual rotation but they didn't scan before the manual rotation um just to see if there was a growth thing. But because I'd had so many growth scans, I guess, it was kind of deemed that she was okay. Um, so when she had gone head down um, and the cord came down by her head, um, so obviously they were a little bit twitch because they were like, if we send you home and your waters go, that could be a cord prolapse and, you know, that's really bad, basically a medical emergency. Um, so how about you just sit on the birthing ball, have a wiggle around, try and get that, try and get her head down so they'd move the cord out of the way. Um, and she did, you know, had a good old bounce on there and she wiggled all the way down, cord moved out of the way, CTG was great, she looked fine and we were sent off on our way. We went and got pizza, we were really excited because we were like, whew, you know, you know, avoiding a cesarean, you know, for definite. Um, three weeks left, I've got, you know, I'm on maternity leave, this is going to be lovely, you know, just sort of waiting for her, her to arrive and then what happened next after that um and then that evening we just were sat on the sofa enjoying each other's company looking at baby names you know having a lovely lovely evening basically and I wasn't overly happy with her movements like she hadn't kicked at all since I'd had the ECV although on the CTG she was fine and the heart rate was fine she hadn't been moving as much and I was a bit like okay, I I think it's just because it's a new position. I've got to get used to what she's going to feel like inside. Now she's head down, you know, feet up in my ribs. It's completely different. Um, and I just convinced myself that that was the reason that she was sort of not moving as much. Mm-hmm. So happy evening, lots of laughing, lots of joy, which was really nice. Um, it's a sort of fond-ish, fond-ish memory. It's a very kind of confusing one. Um, and then went to bed that night and then when I woke up in the morning I just felt wrong I just Mm -hmm. it was kind of a immediate just feeling of there's some yeah I don't know it just I couldn't describe it to you but it just in time like instinctively she just she usually in the morning would be awake as soon as our you know as Ilya comes crashing in every morning shouting Moena would be instantly kicking and rolling and she just didn't she was still um and so I did the whole lying on my left side drinking cold drink you know seeing if she's just having a bit of a slow morning um and then I just it was actually our um it was actually our wedding anniversary that day Mm. so we had a whole day sort of planned um day out and I was just like I just don't I just don't feel right I don't she's not moving as you know she's rolling you can obviously feel rolls but she wasn't kicking or I just felt 
weird. So um, I said, I'm just going to go and get checked out. Um, so obviously I was invited in because I said I hadn't felt her kick since 10 o'clock the previous night or like even move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went in. Um, I was seen straight away. And it's odd because it's my workplace as well. So it's kind of familiar faces. And um, it's in a, a sort of the antenatal room with lots of CTGs going off with all the heartbeats and everything. And I'm just, I kind of am kind of slightly aware of maybe. Yeah, I'm not, not fully convinced, but just just worried. Just really, really yeah. worried. Yeah. Um, and the... So I lay down on the bed and the midwife put the Doppler on um, and it was silent. And a baby that big shouldn't have. Yeah. Silent. Um, But she stayed very calm. I knew. I think I knew at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was just like, we're just going to get the doctor and we're going to get you up for a scan and we'll see. I'll see what's going on. Sometimes they're just in a funny position, you know. They say all these lovely things just <laughs> to try just, and reassure just, you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then we took of that walk that everybody has up up the ramp um, where I've walked so many times as a MCA up there to either help mummies come down with their babies or taking beds back up or seeing colleagues running things around up that corridor and then. Um, down past the maple suite which is our bereavement suite which I knew about um into a little scan room there and um yeah so then the doctor came in started doing the scan and um her hand was I didn't want to look at the screens I just couldn't look at the screens um because I just knew what was coming in a way did you have your husband with you at this no, point? No, I was or on my was, own. Was he looking after Ilya? Mm. Yeah, because I was just like, oh, I'm sure, you know, like, you know, you kind of convince yourself, I'm sure it's okay. So, yeah, I was completely it's on my own. Yeah. It's just a precaution. It's just me being anxious, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was at home. I was on my own. Um, and, yeah, taken into the scan room. Doctors got the um, ultrasound on and her hand is just shaking. And I just knew before, like, and, um, yeah, eventually she stopped and just said, I'm so sorry. And I, I didn't, I didn't even know how to describe the sound that came out of me. It's horrible. It's such a a wail of, uh, just a, I don't know. It's horrible. It's like, like a hideous like I can't even begin to I know that we've all been there but you Mm. just can't find the words to describe that moment it's like it's like the world just stopped like just just disintegrated Mm -hmm. um and the disbelief I think the shock that it could that could have happened um that she wasn't alive um, and at the time we didn't know that she was a girl it was going to be a surprise um, and I just yeah lay there just screaming and crying and I was just so angry at the doctors and the midwives I was like why are you not getting me into theatre why are you not getting her out of me what is wrong with you why are you just standing there but I couldn't say any of that I was just that's, that was what was going through my head like why are you trying not to recess her I'm sure she's only 
I'm sure she's still alive. You just can't, you know, I was just, that was where my head was. I was like, why are you not getting, this is an emergency. You need to get her out. Um, I didn't realize that once the heart stopped, that's it. They, mm. you know, they, they don't do anything. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. So what happened next then? Did you, were you able to call your husband or did someone else um, call you? I managed to call him. I don't really remember how I got my phone or how I even got the words. Got to yeah. yeah. I just said to him, I just remember saying to him, it's not good. I couldn't bear to tell him that our baby had died over the phone. I couldn't do that. But I just said, it's not good. You need to come here. Um, I think he, he knew immediately. Um and we had to wait for my sister to come over to our house mm-hmm. to look after Ilya before he could come in. So I don't even know how long it was um, before he got in. Um, and we were I was in the bereavement suite by that point with the midwife, um, Lisa, who was looking after me at that point. Um, yeah, she just literally sat with me, just rubbed my arm. That's all she did. She just rubbed my arm. She didn't say anything. She just was there as a physical contact. She wasn't trying to give me any advice, nothing. Just somebody there who was warm, just giving me... Just a person. Yeah. Yeah. Giving me some love. Yeah. Um, And then it's all just sort of a bit of a mad blur, really. I think I was just reeling. I was just in complete disbelief because you can still feel movement it's really weird you can still still feel her rolling around and every time I was like she's still she's still alive oh well she's in there can you please get her out you know but um just for them to all look so kind of helpless and just nothing nothing anybody could do um so my so Kane got in um and then they would talk. I think the doctor had already said about what happens to get her out. <laughs> um, and I, what, like, does she not just magically cut me? It's, it was so weird. Like, although I knew I was so close to having this baby and I was happy to give birth to her in any which way, the thought that then she was a dead baby meant it just in my head, I was like, well, I don't, what, what? Like, do I still have to give birth? Like, it just, for some reason, it just didn't didn't complete connect at all, um, and I was like, I want a cesarean. I don't want to go through this. Just for my experience with Ilya was so long and painful, and um, I just was like, I just don't want to suffer that for them not getting the baby that you know that I need a, a live breathing baby that I thought I was going to have. Um, and obviously they said no. <laughs> they were like, no, you can't. It's there's and you know, I in the environment that I work in, if the baby's at risk, cesarean immediately. But if the mother is there's no reason to have a cesarean because it's a massive risk to the mother. And I was just like, but oh. And it's just that realization that my baby was no longer a factor in in their decision, medical decision. So she it was about 100% about me. And that was really, really hard that I was more important than my baby. It was just like, it, yeah. They were saying things to me that just didn't make any sense for 
the sort of experience and knowledge that I have. Um, um, but actually, I'm very, very glad they said no. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is what we all say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You always like, you know, I think, and I think because you're in shock as well, and and I don't know, part of me thinks, well, maybe they, you know, maybe they should consider a C-section when there's, you know, for the mental health implications involved. But then, as you say, when you actually go through it and then you do deliver them, it does, yeah, it does make a difference. It does, yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I, it's odd, and you know, I know a lot of other other mums who have said the same thing that they wanted that cesarean immediately, and then actually their experience was way better or very different from what they thought it was going to be. Um, so yeah, so I did obviously agree to be induced. Um, I think I had the first tablet, and then we went home just to say goodbye, or you know, give our little girl a little cuddle before she went down to um, my parents because um, they were going to look after her for as long as needed really um and it was so hard being home and also seeing my sister and telling her because she didn't really understand what was going on because Kane didn't know what was going on so she just knew there there was some emergency something was going on that was bad but I think in her head she just had not even comprehended that the bit you know that our baby had died um so yeah it was really hard I just don't really remember much um I did take one last bump selfie of Moena in my tummy (laughs) yeah that's something I didn't do actually and I thought about that I can't remember if it was yeah someone's Instagram I saw a picture of it and I thought you know that that thought just didn't even cross Mm. my mind Mm. but it's really it's nice yeah it is it's it's weird yeah, because I hadn't had, because um, with Ilya, I'd taken bum pictures every week. I don't, you know, whereas with Moana, I just hadn't really had the headspace all the time to, like, be able to take as many pictures. And we got home, and I just saw myself in the mirror with my bum um, with Moana in it, not alive. And I was just like, I just have to, I don't know what even possessed me, but I was like, I just have to take a picture of this. This is the last time I'm going to have her in my tummy, um, and I need to remember or you know just yeah 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 weird um but we didn't go get any food I just like the idea of walking around a supermarket I know you you said in your story that you went to the supermarket and I was like how like I don't my brain I didn't eat any of it the the problem was because I was laboring overnight and I felt so sick I didn't really eat any of it and then I, I was really bad the next day because I didn't eat anything so yeah I think I, I think it's just different isn't it yeah. yeah I was kind of almost reluctant to come home like when I found out that she died I was just like, I just want to get on with it I just want to start it right now I don't want to have to wait um so I'm always in awe of mums who've waited a few days or over the weekend and I'm just like that it's just so I don't know just always so admirable like I'm just so admire um, yeah, yeah I think we just do what we're told, don't we? <laughs> That's <laughs> true. So, how was how was her birth, and did the induction take a while, or was so it the yeah? So the induction, I had the pes- first pessary at sort of seven o'clock in the evening. Um, I then sort of started having mild contractions, but I what I learned from giving birth to Ilya was that I should sleep because I tend to I think early labour start sort of in the evening obviously this was augmented as well um but with Ilya I was so excited about 
her arriving that I stayed awake all night and I really regretted that decision come like you know however many hours later so with Moena I kind of was very clear that I was like I'm gonna sleep as much as I can in between these little mini contractions um and then obviously it progressed um until morning by about um sort of eight so eight o'clock in the morning so about 12 hours later the contractions were getting pretty bad I was having Casanair having um trying to be in the bathtub just to sort of calm myself down a bit um because I was basically said I don't want to really feel pain so I want an epidural um I just want to kind of have an easy ride with this um and obviously waiting till I became dilated enough um to have the epidural and then by about 11 I was kind of okay to have the epidural some sometime around then um but Lisa um and Alessia so it's is what's so nice is that our midwives Lisa was on during the day and then Alessia was on in the night for the whole time we were there so we were I was so happy that I just had the same faces um and they looked after me so well and just got me everything that I needed um and Lisa had already kind of gone through what Moena might look like and sort of what we wanted to do after she was born so um I knew I didn't want to see her straight away for some reason I just wanted to just have a little moment to kind of prepare myself for seeing her um and I wanted her wrapped up in a blanket as well I didn't want to have her because with Ilya when she was delivered her arms were up she was very vibrant whereas I was just so worried that when Moena was born she'd be really floppy and I've seen floppy babies they are really sort of scary to look at you know especially in emergency situations and I knew I didn't want that to be my first like memory of Moena I wanted her all wrapped like in a blanket and nice and sort of secure um so yeah I eventually had the epidural was really comfortable really happy um I could still feel my body it was didn't have pain but I still felt the contractions which I really kind of quite liked because then I still felt I had control um and then yeah just sort of felt the need to push um managed to get her out fairly reasonably quickly so about two minutes past 12 she was born she arrived um Kane cut the cord again as he did with Ilya which was nice um but obviously for him he was just heartbroken because I think a little bit of him was hoping that they got it wrong and she would still come out yeah because he hadn't seen the scan he hadn't heard the doppler he just kind of and he hasn't he hasn't got her inside he doesn't have that kind of instinct then that's knowledge yeah so I think that's that's when it really hit him that she was dead and just to see her because he saw her before I did um and yeah then Lisa sort of wrapped her in a little blanket and um put a little hat on her and then I held her and how did you feel when you first held her and saw her I just loved her instantly she's just just beautiful just I just wanted to just wanted to give her my life like there and then you know to just pass it into her try and make her wake up it's so hard and just like looking at her eyelashes for any kind of little movement like just for her not to have a breath or not to cry so like so 
quiet, so silent. Um, yeah, I just, I was so happy to meet her, obviously, but I didn't know why she wasn't alive. I couldn't, couldn't change it. You know, you just think once you've got hold of them, then maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll just wake up. And that's the thing, isn't it, about being a mother? You you give anything for your child, yeah. and the fact that you can't help them and you can't do anything for them just makes you feel so helpless on top of everything else and the grief and yeah yeah were you able to spend some time with her then in the bereavement we did yeah so we had um uh sort of until the following evening so we had that all that time with her um and just I don't know you just got to cram so much in it just feels like it's so rushed in a way but yeah just the the sort of you're still reeling from the shock of what's happened you're still just not accepting that she's actually dead and that any moment you look over and she's awake as she's wriggling around and just that complete denial for me was was so so huge and then the realization every time that she still was dead is was then so yeah so painful um but we um but she looks basically a spitting image of her sister (laughs) which is lovely (laughs) and um we'd like when we were coming back into hospital I said to Kane can you just get rid of all the baby stuff out of the hospital bag because I don't want it there not thinking actually she still does need to wear something um I hadn't thought of that at all but thankfully he left a few things in because he's much cleverer than me (laughs) and um so and he left in a baby grow that uh that Ilya had been in on her first day um, in the world so we put Moena in that and she was much smaller than Ilya was um and yeah it just felt right that that's the the baby girl that she'd be in the same as her big sister um and yeah we did little handprints and footprints and lots of pictures although never enough pictures I find (laughs) and I just just yeah I just stroked her little nose basically all the time that was was my little comfort thing um and just gave her as many cuddles I did manage to have um, skin to skin with her as well. I really sort of wanted to to do that for her, like just to. But it was a very strange experience because I had it with Ilya, and she was warm and wriggly, and with Moena when I first put her on, she was obviously cold, and that felt just. It felt lovely to have her skin on my skin and sort of give her some of my warmth but to have a cold sort of still baby on my chest is it's quite it was kind of quite an an odd feeling and then once she warmed up with my warmth it felt Mm -hmm. a little bit more it's yeah very strange but I just felt so like I needed to do that so we've got some lovely pictures of me having skin to skin with her which I treasure so much I love looking at those pictures she just looks so cute (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's lovely I think that was something that I was worried about actually and I think that put me I didn't even think about skin to skin like yeah it's just 
I think it's again just how your brain processes things, doesn't it? It's like, well, when we've not got this live baby, so therefore all the baby stuff goes out the window. Whereas you still have a baby there, you know? And yeah, that doesn't mean you can't do some of the things that you would have done you know, had had she been born born alive. Yeah. So I guess then at some point you had to say goodbye and you ended you went home um to back to Ilya. And what was your experience of grief like in those early weeks? And also, I guess, so Ilya was about two, I guess, two or three two at the is, time. Um, two and nine months, or two and eight months, yeah, sort of around that age, yeah. Did she really have any kind of comprehension about what had happened? You know, why mummy and daddy were sad, what had happened to mom, the baby in mum's belly? Yeah, I think she she's a very sort of empathic little girl. And she, although she wasn't very keen on my bump, over the summer last year you know I tried to get her to feel more when kicking and try and get that kind of little bond going she was just like oh no don't no I don't want to do that I don't want to touch that um so I think she kind of knew but didn't quite understand that there was actually a proper baby in my tummy um but when when we when we left the hospital is sort of everybody yeah feels it's the worst possible thing we could ever do um and then going because it was late in the evening, we were then driving home to my parents and um, she was, Ilya was asleep. Um, so then waking up in the morning and sort of having, I think we had breakfast and then we said to oh, Ilya, let, let's go upstairs and we sort of all snuggled in bed and we told her um, what had happened. And she didn't really say anything. I think obviously being so little, she didn't really understand Um but we told her and obviously we just said we're going to be very, very sad for a very long time. Um, but we still love you and um, Moena still loves you. And, you know, try to show, I don't know if we showed her, any, I think we did show her some pictures of Moena and just said this is your baby sister and um, sort of tried to somehow find the words. But we knew from reading sort of the sounds, um booklets and stuff to be very straightforward with her and say that her baby sister is dead and not sleeping and it's such a hard like saying to a two-year-old dead you know that the baby sister is dead like not even trying to sugarcoat it or anything you have to use very direct language and it was just horrible which just felt like sort of the worst parents um in the world for like just you know giving this massive amount of grief onto two years old little person um and what I noticed about Ilya immediately actually was that her cry changed it's like almost overnight that her like cry for attention or anything like that but it changed and she sounded so much more grown up like her like something inside of her changed overnight and she it just was quite a sort of traumatizing sound to hear come out of somebody so small that's fascinating and it must have been an extra I guess an extra layer of grief in terms of obviously you've got your own grief from losing your child yeah I guess the grief of her not having that baby sister yeah yeah and it was very hard to tell her that we'd kind of failed her in a way that I know we haven't, but yeah, you know, but you feel like you do. Yeah, you feel like you have. Yeah, yeah, in those early weeks. Yeah, um, and just just us being sad all the time. And she was um, 
um, sort of very worried about me because I was very um, sort of five weeks in, I was very poorly um, with a retained placenta. Um, I had to go in and out of hospital and I was in a really, really bad way also and then emotionally as well. And I just couldn't even get out of bed. Um, I was feeling so low, so um, sort of, um, yeah, sort of low on my thoughts. And, you know, she'd come to the bedside and sort of just be stroking my head and be like, it's okay, mummy. Like, it's okay to be sad. And... Um, she had this line, you know, obviously she's repeating what we're saying, but to hear her saying she just wants to make things better for you, doesn't she? Yeah. We look at, you know, or parents, you know, you look after your children so much, you give anything and, and you kind of sometimes don't realise actually they, they want to do the same for you. Yeah, exactly. And she was very, yeah, sort of very loving and very caring and trying to get, get me back to being mummy, I guess. But um, yeah, just to overnight change like go away as one set of parents and come back as completely different people must have been very shocking for her um and we're still obviously not the same people and if I get particularly sad nowadays she um gets starts getting very unsettled and kind of like a little bit on edge and she's like it's okay mommy it's okay you know I think she just knows like that kind of sadness means mommy and daddy are not okay um that's very sort of worrying for her and I guess it's really hard because you can't like because she, she probably doesn't understand and you can't really explain that that's that that's normal and that mm. just because you're sad it's not necessarily a bad thing mm. you know, it's not something that she has to try and fix or that anyone can really fix um and it's it's just these massive concepts isn't it which you just so hard to try and convey to a small child yeah exactly and I feel like now she's getting older so she's sort of three and a half now and she's talking a lot about babies in mummy's tummy and there's a baby in her tummy and she wants to feed Moena with her boob and you know she's kind of doing all these lovely maternal things and I just think she's sort of starting to piece things together a little bit more about babies and mummies and tummies and and these kind of things and she's sort of saying um, there's a baby in mama you know there's baby Moena's in mummy's tummy and I'm like no she's not she's not here darling it's a sort of repetition of you know she's in the stars she died you know we can go look at pictures of her and things like that um but for her it's very much a kind of repeat 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 which for us is sort of painful and exhausting because it's sort of having to sort of go over it again with her but for her, it's very important that she can process it um, and it is sort of leading her through her grief. And, um, yeah, it's just so heartbreaking to think of such a young person carrying such a massive weight of grief for their whole life. You know, we've got the rest of our lives, but it has got the whole of her life with this. And I know it won't be the same um, kind of level of, of anguish, but... Um, she will obviously carry Moena forever um, with her. I think you chose to have Moena cremated and scattered her ashes. Was that something that you kind of knew from the beginning you wanted or decided? And what I guess what was your thought process around, around um, so, so 
still hard to know, I think, in that moment. You're kind of given this, so what do you want doing with your baby? And it's like, well, you know, I've barely come to terms with the fact that, you know, I can't take her home. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's horrible reading through those sort of funeral arrangements and do you want this or do you want that and post-mortem um, sort of um, consent forms and all this stuff. And I think we knew, I think I didn't want her to be solely in one place I kind of like for for myself and Kate we always want to be cremated um when we pass away so I think we kind of felt like we wanted to do the same for Moana um and it's a horrible decision to make like having your baby yeah burnt it's not nice at all to have to, to have to decide that um but it was a choice that we had to make and you can't can't just not make it it's a horrible kind of situation that, that parents are in um but with her ashes I knew I wanted them to be just wanted her to be free so she's not anywhere specific um she's not in a um what are they called cemetery um she doesn't have a name stone or things like that she is in some wild locations so she's down um in Cornwall in the sea so she's at Godrevy Lighthouse or dancing around in the sea with this, there's loads of seals there it's a big seal colony and it's just the most beautiful place um so when we were in hospital we knew immediately that that was one of the places we would want to set her free um and then another place is up in Aviemore because um, my husband went on a lot of uh holidays there as a child so it's a very fond place for him and like we both together being up there a couple of times as well um so we went up there on the mountains and scattered a bit of her up there as well so she's kind of in these amazing places um and I follow an Instagram account of this mountain and some of the pictures they show is just stunning just the vast sky of stars and or snow covered mountains or wildlife running through and it's just it's it always makes me burst into tears seeing those photos but then I just kind of feel like she's in this amazing place um and also in Cornwall as well just because we go there quite regularly so we'll be able to go and visit her um and then we also have a little bit of her ashes here as well so I'm um, not quite sure what to do with them I guess that will kind of come it's something will come to you yeah <laughs> it's time yeah. It's, it's weird her being there like on the shelf these little ashes it's just it, it, it I just can't quite get my head around that yeah that it's, really it's strange because we've well we scattered most of Sky's ashes and again you know we wanted her to be somewhere wild and I have a few which I have in a necklace and we have like a, a few sort of leftover from the necklace as it were that we haven't quite done but we still have the empty like the empty teddy bear tub and I can't like it's still on a shelf I can't I mean even though it's not got her in it I guess it's got remnants of her I still can't bring myself quite to you know I just I can't throw it away I don't no, know. No, I know that's exactly oh. yeah it's like I don't know I don't wouldn't get rid of it either if we did empty her into something else it's just such an odd thing and just sort of keep it because it's a little like you said it's a little bit a little part of them as well yeah um, yeah so how how is there anything particular that you've found has kind of I guess helped you through your grief and how have you chosen to remember Moena and involve her in your life over the past months um so we've so I did a lot of journaling in the beginning a lot of writing down I've got a lot of, a lot of poems and 
Um, so initially I couldn't write in sentences. I could just write in sort of words or two words or three words. That's as much as I could get out of my head onto paper. Um, so I found that really helpful um, just with getting it out of my head and just um, I found talking. Kane and I talked a lot in the sort of first few weeks, as I'm sure everybody does, just sort of trying to make sense of it. And then you both go off on your different grief journeys and sort of check back in every so often, I guess, is kind of what we're doing now. Um, and, yeah, we... So I didn't, I don't know, it's just one of those things like, what what do you do for a little person that you didn't quite get to meet or get to know as in the sort of same way that I was hoping for? But I don't know where, when we were in hospital, um, I don't know where I read it, but I saw that some flowers were a flower of September or some something like that. I don't know, I got fixated on some flowers. Um, we had a few in our garden that um, we were growing that my mum had given us as a sort of a new house um present and I've been growing them all summer while Moena was growing um and then when we got home and I think the flowers started to die I collected some of the seeds and I just thought I'll just keep hold of these and maybe we'll plant them next year and we'll see um see if they grow because I'm not sure how to keep seeds or <laughs> to make sure that they're good for the next oh, seeds are quite resilient we ended up with a lot of sunflowers from where my husband spilt bird seed one year and they all kept that's what yeah that's what ours are doing as well um with some of the bird seed as well so we um so this March we um well so, sorry over the winter I've been redesigning the whole garden because we live in a new build so it's a very kind of bog standard patch of grass patch of patio um so we completely retransformed the garden um which has been kind of a bit of a haven for us to focus on and feel like you're kind of able to do something I was getting very impatient in the winter because I was like I've got this garden plan but I can't do anything until it stops raining and yeah (laughs) so eventually it did and in March we were like hacking the garden um to pieces and re-laying everything um and we sowed the sunflower seeds from last year and I sent some to my mum and dad I sent some to my sister my brother and to um, my in-laws as well so they've all got sunflowers growing all at their various gardens um and we've got I think we planted 27 I've <laughs> um and we've still got 19 I think I think a few of them didn't make it but yeah so we've got 19 sunflowers in this tiny garden <laughs> um, yeah all growing really nicely at the moment so I cannot wait for them to start blooming um my mum sent me a picture yesterday actually um of their first one that's bloomed at theirs um which was really nice because it was more when it was nine months yesterday so it's kind of felt felt sort of a poignant moment but yeah and we've um made a special little sort of garden that we've painted a little sort of wooden box that we've planted lots of pretty flowers in for her um so she has her own sort of special space um in our garden which is really nice and Ilya can sort of get involved with growing things and watching everything yeah that's lovely and you've also um set up an Etsy store recently you've been making some wonderful beautiful jewelry which is on your Instagram account so I suggest everyone goes and checks it out (laughs) tell us a bit more about that and the sort of connection with Moen so um I started I booked to do a jewellery course um early last year um before I found out I was pregnant actually and I found out about a week before I started this 
12 week course, um, just sort of a local um, sort of center. Um, and so being pregnant whilst making these pieces of jewelry, I was feeling it was like a really late at night one, and I was exhausted, and I was feeling really sick. And I was like, Oh, I don't think I can keep doing this because I'm just feeling so rubbish. But I kept on going, and I made um, Ilya a necklace that she can have when she's 18, and um, just sort of felt like it was a really nice, creative thing to do. And then um, I sort of always wanted to carry on with it, but you need quite a lot of equipment and space and it sort of didn't really happen. And um, then after Moena died, I just sort of found, yeah, sort of went to obviously a big grief slump and felt horrendous for a very long time. And then with lockdown happening, I felt sort of just sort of like I had just had nothing to do. Obviously, I've got Ilya keeping me very busy, but... Um, no other sort of outlet and um, just kept on saying oh, I really I'm really bored I need something to do creative that can just sort of get my mind out of this hideous grief space that you know I know that we have to spend some time in but it's sort of it's exhausting it's really really exhausting and Kane just said right you like jewelry you like making jewelry let's just buy all the stuff <laughs> I like that approach <laughs> he was going completely mad and he just bought me everything that I needed like sort of to get going um sort of as a sort of initial startup thing um which I was really happy about just to sort of start bending metal and melting it and trying to make stuff and stamping stuff hitting it with hammers it's a really good release of any kind of anger because you can really sort of hammer some metal um but also it just kept my hands busy and kept my mind busy you really have to focus when you're dealing with fire and hot metal like you cannot be off somewhere else that's what I'm finding (laughs) (laughs) keeping my mind with my hands and I'm very I'm a very tactile person um always been making stuff so it just has helped me just channel some of that grief and I finding that creativity and making things that are pretty and shiny and I really love bees and Moena's middle name is bee so I just kind of like try and channel in um sort of other elements of of her and just I just sort of start making stuff I don't really have a plan I might sketch a few things but sometimes the metal's not quite working how I want to go and then I just keep going at it until I kind of am happy with something um and I knew when I wanted sort of some jewellery that represented baby loss, but there wasn't really anything that kind of spoke to me. That's why I kind of wanted to make something for myself. And then I thought maybe other mummies might sort of appreciate that work being available as well for for them to remember their little ones with as well. So um, I've got some pieces that have got birthstones in um, and also initials and things like that. Just And I've got my little bracelet of my Moena, so... (laughs) Got her initial in my her sapphire um, birthstone, which is really nice. That I have that, that that I haven't had to sort of try and find it. I've just been able to make it. Okay, yeah, that's wonderful. And just as a final question, because we're about out of time, if there's someone who is newly bereaved, who's just lost a baby, listening to this, what would you like to tell them? Oh goodness, it's really hard because everybody said to me, "It will. It doesn't always. This doesn't last." This pain, the level intensity of this pain doesn't always feel like this. 
thing that's what I was told and I didn't believe it I was like there's no way I can ever feel okay again um but that it's a weird one so that pain you will feel it again but it won't last as long and you recognize it you know that pain it will come and then it hopefully will ease again but you just know that it 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 isn't all the time (laughs) I think that's the main thing it does pass and you have longer stretches between each intensity of grief it's like the waves that everyone likes talking about and I love that analogy too is that you're in the middle of a storm it's all horrendous it feels horrendous and then eventually it does pass um I kind of always look at it like I can see the next storm coming but it's not here yet and it's it's okay and it might then come really quickly or it might take a little while to build up it's but yeah it doesn't it isn't always going to be horrible thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing Wena's story with us would you like to tell people where they can connect with you online and find out more about your jewelry um yes so um i'm mainly on instagram so i have a sort of personal account which is lucy shepherd um which is s-h-e-w-p-a-r-d um and yes that's why i sort of share most of my stuff about Moena and little pictures and things and my jewellery making is My Little Bee Jewellery, um, and it's B-E-E-A for her middle name. Uh, and, yeah, that's where I show all my little things that I'm getting up to at the moment. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll include those links. Thank you so much, Lucy. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Footprints on Our Hearts. Please help me break the silence around baby loss by sharing the podcast with your friends and leaving a review on iTunes. You can follow me on Instagram at Footprints on Our Hearts and Twitter at Sky's Footprints. For detailed show notes and to support the podcast and help me raise money for Tommies, please visit our website, footprintsonourhearts.com. <laughs>